Welcome to episode 2 of Sharing Life Lessons. I am your host Hamida and I want to bring you stories. Stories inspire, stories teach and stories heal. I am very happy to introduce today's guest. He has served as a teacher, coach, dawn supervisor, college counselor and admission director between 1985 and 1996 at the Petty School an elite New Jersey school. He was then appointed the 16th head of school in 2013. Immediately prior to his return to Petty, he was the headmaster of Wakefield School in Virginia for 17 years. Let's welcome Peter Quinn. Peter, thank you very much for being on the show. I am honored. We've known each other for a couple of years. And one thing amongst many that I admire you for is for the way you're able to connect with your audience when you address them. And I'm sure our listeners will agree with me after they've heard your story. But before that, your father and your grandfather were both headmasters. In fact, your grandfather became a headmaster in 1929. That's a very long 90-year, three-generational tradition in your family. When did you actually know that you wanted to follow your father and grandfather's footsteps and also become a headmaster of a school? I think the moment at which I wanted to be decided I want to be head of a school was when it seemed to me that I had an interest and a, a propensity for solving practical problems outside of the classroom that would nevertheless help people in the classroom do their job better. And you have successfully been a headmaster for over two decades. So Peter, tell us your story and the life lessons that you have learned from it. The life lesson I want to sh- share comes out of my summer employment experience during college, my father thought, like the, lot of, like the fathers of a lot of my classmates, that their sons had probably grown up in sheltered circumstances uh, and needed to understand that the real world was different from the one in which they'd grown up. Uh, so my father decided that I would work for the Kansas City Southern Railroad. This is once we had moved from Philadelphia. And he found me a job as a track laborer during the summers that I was in college. And I think what he wanted for this was to, I would understand the different perspective of people who earn their living with their backs. I would understand the value of truly difficult labor. And I'm not sure the third lesson was on his mind, but that'll become clear as I tell the story. So the railroad was the Kansas City Southern Railroad, which at that point, this is in the mid-70s, operated between the coal fields of Montana and New Orleans. And had the railroad had just earned a lucrative contact with coal mining companies to bring the coal from the coal fields of Montana down to New Orleans. And that brought it through Kansas City and Missouri, the southern parts of Missouri. I was assigned to a track labor unit, which operated between Kansas City and Pittsburgh, Kansas, uh, out in the middle of farm country. And our job uh, during the summers was to replace the ties that were holding the rails together on the roadbed. And so we would go through a process in which we removed the old ties, took off the old anchors, took out the tie, uh, put it in the new tie, and then spiked it down, anchored it, and aligned the rails. And this is uh, the summer. Uh, it's Kansas and Missouri. It's extremely hot. And so we were, there were six of us on that crew, six college guys, along with 15 native New Orleans guys who were bigger than houses. 
And we were pretty sure it could bend the railroad rails by themselves. So we were intimidated from the beginning. These guys knew what hard work was. Their English was broken. Their uh, education was weak. But their ability to work and their focus and their genuine uh, commitment to doing their job hard, but also living a fairly hard life was probably the most illuminating part of working with them for four summers. The overarching lesson of my experience in those summers was the value of education. But that was made up of interim lessons. And the first of that was the value of hard work. I thought I knew what hard work was. I worked on my homework. I mowed the lawn. I raked leaves. But replacing railroad ties and dealing with the uh, difficulties of railroad engineering during the months of June, July, and August in four successive summers gave to me a whole new glimpse of what hard physical labor was. Um, there was no forgiveness. There was no coaching up to it. You were expected to do the job the first time the right way. And we were aware that when we didn't do the job right, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of railroad income was hurtling down the rail towards us at breakneck speed. And the last thing we wanted to do was delay it or even worse, cause a derailment. And at that time, Kansas City Southern was dealing with a series of bad derailments and they were trying to spend much more money on their track maintenance, which was why we were there in the first place. So the value of hard work, not just as something that was important you could persevere through and complete, which was a lesson I'd already learned. I'd been taught that I had to finish things that were hard. But the importance of manual labor to a bigger picture was probably new to me. The idea that whether or not we connected these ties correctly, whether or not we finished the ballast on the roadbed correctly, whether or not we were ready to get up at 2.30 in the morning and deal with a washout where the river had taken the roadbed away, these were fundamental things involving the well-being of the entire railroad, all the people whose incomes depended on it, the delivery of goods that were very time critical. All of these things gave hard work a new importance in my mind that it hadn't had before. Previous to this, hard work for me was hard academic work, hard intellectual work, mastering an idea. Um, those things I understood had an application to my college preparation and probably to the profession that I would choose. Um, but the idea that something which didn't take much of an education would be so fundamentally important in the delivery of something like the goods that were coming down the railroad was something that ennobled, in some ways, the virtue of hard work done very reliably, under pressure, uh, by people who the regular world probably didn't do much about. Peter, I heard you say that your father compelled you to take up a job at the railroad because he thought you were living a sheltered life and he really wanted you to see what else is out there besides your friendly and sheltered neighborhood. And as much as that is not a lesson that you um, have learned from your story, it still touches the topic of parenting. And I want to urge all listeners who are parents to contemplate, are our children leading sheltered lives? Do we allow our kids the freedom to learn reality, to fight and fail and find their own way through life? I will leave it at that for this episode. Um, and we will have a separate episode on the topic of parenting. Returning to your first lesson of hard work, Peter, how are you applying this lesson today in your role as headmaster of a school? 
Nowadays, in this position, uh, and when I'm advising students, uh, the lessons of hard work comes back, of course, in a different format. No one around this school is laying railroad tracks and changing ties. But every student at some point, and usually a couple of times during a year, uh, ends up in a class or in an activity or committed to something um, that is not the highest pleasure for them. Uh, they, they're in this class, uh, which they have to take, it's a requirement, but they'd rather be spending more time thinking of history or they're in science, they'd rather be spending more time thinking of literature or they're playing a certain sport and they really would like to play a different sport, but there's not that opportunity. And I think the importance of my life lesson is that I can talk to them and remind them that what they're learning by committing hard work and first-rate effort to something which they don't see as their long-term future, which wasn't their first choice, but to which they have nevertheless given their name in this event, is that they need to be as good as they can be uh, at whatever task they're taking on, even if the result will not be the winning goal in the game or the best test in the class or a change of heart that they might want to major in this thing. I suggest and I encourage them to work as hard as they could, as they can, and be as um, absorbent uh, to the learning in class in subjects which they're quite convinced they'll never study again, uh, as they are in classes which they're quite convinced are going to be the real history of their lives. Because the discipline and the commitment and the ability to prove that you can do things that at first you thought you might not be able to do, or that things, many things are worth doing that at first you thought might not be worth doing. So I didn't go into the railroad job thinking it was really important that I'd be able to spike a rail down very quickly. But over the course of the summer, if I was going to contribute to doing what this team needed done well, it became pretty clear to me I needed to get better at spiking rails. Do I spike rails now? No, it's been 40 years since I spiked a rail. I hope never to do it again. And every day on the railroad, I wished I were on a beach doing something else. <laughs> But that wasn't what I was set up to do those summers. And, uh, and I think the lesson of hard work applies in every situation. Uh, and it, it made me, uh, I think, a better um, servant of my own uh, development and a better servant to the students I was going to teach that no one let me back away from being good at those things, which I really didn't see the need to be very good at in those summers. Another lesson I learned those summers was the uh, rich diversity of people who live, who were born in this country and just in li live in different sections. So as I said earlier, we had about 15 or 16 full-time employees. These are real railroad folks who lived generally down in New Orleans. And in the summer, they came up and they lived on um, trailers that the railroad hauled up from New Orleans. And, and these were guys who, uh, there were no women, uh, they were uh, all, as I say, I was about the smallest person there. They were all incredibly uh, hardened by labor. They uh, lived a hard life. So the most common pursuit every two Fridays, we were paid every other Friday, was that they would gamble their weekly salary away, or at least such part of it as their families allowed them to keep, because I know that a bunch of them were sending part of their salaries home. But every Monday morning, we'd hear about the poker games that had gone on Friday night. We'd hear about the misbehavior. We'd, we'd occasionally hear about fights that broke out. Um, and these guys had to get along on Monday morning. So to work with people who 
treated each other as roughly as these guys treated each other and who could come back and focus and get along was a friction, uh, was an opportunity to observe friction I had never seen before. I had seen, you know, as a teenager, it's a hard life to go through because you have to learn how to disagree without with people and yet not become their enemies. So to see these men who virulently disagreed with each other, who went to blows over a card game, at one point we heard about shot uh, pistols being pulled on each other over allegations of cheating. Uh, one guy was out for three or four days with a broken jaw uh, and came back with a jaw wired to say hi to us, but was then gone for a couple of weeks. This was a difference in perspectives I had not experienced before. But it wasn't the violence I remembered. It was their ability to leave those things uh, and come back and treat each other fairly well during the week. This is such an important lesson. Fast forward to 2020, there is no doubt that as the world rapidly globalizes, diversity is becoming increasingly present across all aspects of our lives. And just as the railroad men did what they needed to do in their times, I, that is, they forgot all of their differences and came together on Monday morning and worked together as a team for the rest of the week to avoid any railroad catastrophes, we need to do what is required of us in our time. At this time, society is rich with diversity. It's rich with diversity of ideas, diversity of perspectives, diversity of opinions, and we need to rein this diversity in and give each of these differences a seat at the table. Just as Telly Whitney so rightfully said, diversity drives innovation. When we limit who can contribute, we in turn limit what problems we can solve. Peter, your story is getting more interesting by the lesson. Let's hear your lesson number three. And the third lesson uh, is of the importance of education for anybody who wants it. Um, and that's the last lesson I learned from my summers in the railroad. And I learned it on the last day of my employment on the railroad. It was a custom on the last day of your summer to that you'd be the one who'd buy the beer on the last Friday. And we'd go back to the uh, garage where all this equipment was kept. And there was a 7-Eleven down the street. This was in Independence, Missouri. And you'd have to go down to the 7-Eleven uh, and get the beer and bring it back. And you weren't expected to buy a lot of beer, but enough for everybody to have one or two. And this was not only my last day of the summer, but it was my last summer on the job. And everybody knew that by now. And they also knew that I was going to be a teacher because over lunch we talk about things. And I was the only person there who was going to be a teacher. Of the other five summer help, they were all more, one was going to medical school, the other four were going to be financial services, I think. So we, the day came. It was, a, it was not too hot a day, but hot enough for beer. Um, and uh, I had uh, gone down and gotten the stuff from several of them and came back and we were sitting around. And the assistant foreman, uh, one of the few white guys on the crew other than the summer help was about six foot four and about 320 pounds and uh, a formidable guy. And he uh, had a couple of beers and we were saying goodbye. And he said, so you're, and I won't imitate his accent. It was a Southern accent. He said, so you're going to be a teacher. I said, yeah. I said, what grades are you going to teach? And I said, well, my job uh, is going to be fifth grade. 
I'm going to teach English to fifth graders. He said, teaching English, does that mean reading and writing? I said, yes. He said, spelling? I said, yes. He said, and he said, well, let me tell you the most important thing you need to know. And I smiled. And he had a dry sense of humor, but it became pretty clear in a couple of seconds that it, this was really important to him. This wasn't going to be a joke. His first name was Lonnie. And I said, well, you tell me what the most important thing is, Lonnie. He said, Pete, I'm not joshing. I said, okay. And I'm listening. He said, when I was in fifth grade, and I get teary. Think about when I was in fifth grade, I wanted to learn how to spell. And I wished that someone would teach me how to spell. But the teacher didn't think my folk were worth teaching. So I never learned how to spell. And believe me, I wanted nothing more than to learn how to spell when I was in fifth grade. And it's why I never went on past fifth grade. So when you go to your school in Virginia and you teach those kids, you make sure them, you teach them that wants to be teached. He said, I know I didn't say that right, and maybe I would have if I'd learned how to spell in the fifth grade. But he took me by the shoulder and he said, you just got to make sure that no one who wants to be teached in your class doesn't get taught. Now, I've told parts of this story in other settings, and four or five years ago, I used the story of Lenny giving me my inspirational orders at commencement because I wanted to ground the students, the graduates of Petty School, who are a fairly rarefied bunch. And looking back on my career, I had not been inspired as deeply by my professors in college or my professors in graduate school to that kind of work as I was that afternoon on the railroad. I'd been inspired to love literature. I'd been inspired to work hard to understand what we were studying. I'd been inspired in many ways by these fabulous professors, but I had never been inspired in exactly the same way as I was that afternoon by Lenny. And so the lesson I wanted to offer to the graduates, or the soon-to-be graduates of Petty, uh, was that they had not to look for opportunities um, to make a difference in, the, in their communities by working with the people who certainly are qualified and educated. I'm not saying you should choose one or the other. It's a, always a pleasure to work with someone who's as committed to your field as you are. But you can't overlook the people who may not have had the same opportunities, who may not have made the same choices, but who nevertheless have the same goodness of heart and the same willingness to help and can benefit from being a partner with you because they're going to bring strengths and skills to the experience that you don't have. And they're going to benefit from strengths and experiences that you do have. And the opportunity for high school kids, at least the ones I was talking to and lots of others, is to go out in the world and be that kind of entrepreneurial citizen who looks for opportunities to make things better, who judges his or her success from how much they can contribute to each community and it looks for partners in those contributions that may have very different backgrounds than their own. 
Thank you very much, Peter, for that touching story straight from the heart. And the reason why we know it's straight from the heart is because even after so many years, when you're talking about it, if you get teared up, it must have had a very big impact on your life. And as you said, that Lenny was able to teach you what no professor in your four years in college could have taught you. And the reason why I bring that up is because I am grateful grateful to you even more now because you've strengthened my case for sharing life lessons. What we are learning here from each other may be beyond what any formal education could teach us. I sincerely hope that we as a group, and with that I mean you as listeners and me as host, together take to action what we've actually heard from Peter today. We may come across those who may not have had the same opportunities that we did, but have the desire and the determination to be with us, to learn from us, to teach us, to work with us, and also to study with us in schools and colleges. And I hope we reach out to them and we all together teach them that wants to be teached. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please rate, review, and subscribe and follow. And if you have any comments, then please write to me at sharinglifelessons101 at gmail.com. Also, for those who want to share their own life lessons and stories, please write to me at the same email address. I will bring you another episode of Sharing Life Lessons next Wednesday. Till then, be happy and be well.